Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Eddie Cook. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this opportunity that we've had this week to be thankful, to be deliberate in our thanksgiving. I thank you for the many blessings you have given to us, the blessings here on this earth, and the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, God, that you hear our prayers and you know our needs, and you know the needs of this congregation this morning. There may be those who are among us this morning who are hurting, who are dealing with issues that nobody is aware of except them. And God, I know that you are aware, and I'm thankful for that, and I pray that you would meet them where they are. And I pray this morning that they would leave those burdens and those cares with you here at the altar. Father, may your anointing be upon this service. May your blessings be upon each one, and may we not leave here as we came. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give back a portion of what you have given us today through our offerings. Help us always, God, to, to return to you everything that, God, we can. You deserve so much more than what we do. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity and the opportunity we have to just say thank you through our offerings this morning. I also thank you, God, that you have taught us to pray as you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, praise the Lord this morning. I just left my Bible and my notes at my seat, but that's okay, because I bet God just wants it to flow. My wife will bring it up if we get stuck. (laughs) Oh, sure, bring it on up. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord. Praise Jesus. So today, we're going to have our last sermon on Joshua. Total devotion, total devotion to God. Next week, we're going to start our sermon series on Advent, the coming of Christ. We'll have our Advent wreath and go through each of the the points in the weeks, looking at Jesus, who was totally devoted to us, totally devoted for our salvation, to be our God. Amen. What are you totally devoted to? Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm all in? It's a popular phrase. We use it a lot today. If you think about maybe a movie you saw with some gamblers where one guy just has this awesome set of cards in his hand and he says, I'm all in. And he pushes the poker chips in the middle of the table and says, I'm all in. He believes in what he has and he's willing to risk it all. What are you willing to risk it all for? We need to ask ourselves that. Are we willing to risk it all for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all American? We better be. He better be what we're all in for. When we look at Joshua chapter 8, we see Israel at a point when they're back in favor with God because they lost that time that they were all in for God. But now they are. They're willing to obey God, to follow the Lord. 
in order to be back in blessings and reap the rewards in total devotion to him. As we look back through chapters 6, 7, and 8, we see where Joshua had come across the Jordan with Israel to take the promised land, to take Canaan, to set up Yahweh worship, the holy land. And the first city of conquest was Jericho, a resounding victory. But, but in chapter 6, we see what Achan did. And as we move into chapter 7, Achan took of the treasure, he took of the spoil, and he dug a hole in his tent, and buried it, and hid and hid it. You know, you can't hide sin. It's going to come out. And then they moved forward to attack the city of Ai, or Ai. I've always called it Ai until this sermon series, which might be called Ai. But so I'm going to go back and forth between Ai and Ai. So, so Joshua, he's very excited at this point. Israel's excited. Did you see what just happened in Jericho? We did exactly what God said to do. They, they followed God, they obeyed God, they did what seemed kind of weird, walking around the city, seven times wall comes down, and okay, let's go into Ai here. And so, hey, diddle diddle, straight up the middle, right to Ai. And then what happened? Well, the warriors of Ai came forward at them, and Joshua saw real quick, this isn't working. 36 of them died by the sword and retreated. Why did this happen, God? What have I done? You, you brought us here. But as we see later in chapter 7, we move into this cycle, continuing this cycle of sin, where we have disobedience, we have rebuke, we have repentance and reconciliation, and we have restoration. Through Achan's sin, we're now at the point of the repentance phase it was brought out that Achan stole and then Achan was brought forth and he was killed and his family and now it's time for restoration in chapter 8 and that's where we're going to focus today in chapter 8 when Israel's back in favor with God but this whole sin cycle of disobedience God's rebuke man's repentance and restoration this is a cycle and just as it was so prevalent in Israel's past, it's prevalent in our future, or present and future. We're humans, we're sinners, and we keep finding ourselves into this cycle, a cycle of sin. But I tell you, it can be broken. It can be broken through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as it was broken for Israel, it can be broken for us. How? The cycle of sin can be broken through living and abiding in God's favor, the cycle of sin can be broken through obeying God's commands, and the cycle of sin can be broken as we live in total devotion to God. So let's look at this first component of breaking the cycle in total devotion to God. So thinking back at Achan, Achan disobeyed. God told Joshua distinctly, do not take from the spoil, from the treasure in Jericho. Achan did, he took it, he stole, he hid it. You've heard the phrase that a little leaven will leaven the whole loaf. Leaven is yeast. You put yeast, it's going to grow, it's going to expand. 
It has to be eradicated in order to have, if you want the bread to be unleavened, and the sin had to be eradicated from the camp. There was sin in the camp of Israel. And God is holy, and the sin can't stand in God's holiness. So, blood atonement was required. Which brings us to a difficult text, and I believe uh, Chaplain Worstel uh, helped us understand some of this a couple weeks ago. I was at Fort Stewart, so forgive me if I'm a bit redundant, but it's good, it's good to remember some, some of these as well. In my finite mind, I have a hard time grasping the infinite ways of God. And there's covenantal changes as well, and we're in the Mosaic Covenant and the Old Covenant. So Achan was brought forth and killed. And Achan's family was brought forth and killed. I mean, this, this sounds like North Korea, where you sin against the government, the person who, who does the infraction and his family is taken and killed or thrown into work camps. And, and it doesn't seem fair. Well, we, we can look at that. But also as we get into chapter uh, 8 verse 2 God has a rules of engagement change we love rules of engagement when they change we have to do things differently but can you imagine Joshua telling the people okay we're going to kill Achan because he took the spoil from the city and the treasure he can't do that bring his family out they're going to die and now God tells Joshua okay go to Ai go to Ai and you can take the livestock and spoil this time can you imagine Joshua saying, telling the people that? I, I know I would say, Joshua, are you sure? Because we just killed Achan for this. And now you're telling me we can do it? I don't understand. Again, my finite mind trying to understand the infinite ways of God. So th these two difficult texts, well, the blood redemption, go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, required the shedding of innocent blood for everything at that point, for clothes, for food. It was God's choice. God didn't have to give man a way out. Sin leads to death and separation from God. But we know in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The shedding of blood atonement for us. But back... From the garden, animal sacrifice was necessary. The lamb without spot or blemish, pointing to Jesus Christ, our lamb without spot or blemish. And there was death. And this was a very cruel, cruel age. Of course, we could say we have a cruel age now too, but it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, a new covenant. So, there wasn't much grace for Achan or his family. And that's the way God said for it to be. I remember I had a, a conversation with a JAG, a lawyer once, and it wasn't Brother Bagwell. Although we do have talks about law and what can we do and what we can't we do. Uh, I was talking to a JAG at a previous unit, and forgive me, I can't remember the specifics of what I was asking for, because I ask for a lot, as uh, Brother Bagwell can attest to, hey, can we do this? I'd like to buy this. Can and it's for the soldiers, and it's all good, so that should be all that matters, right? 
It helps soldiers, it helps families, it helps the army. Well, I, I had this conversation with a JAG. I think I was at CORE. And he said, Chaplain, Chaplain, wait a minute. You're not getting it. I understand what you're trying to do. And it's good. But the law doesn't have to make sense. The law is the law, and you just have to follow it. It doesn't have to make sense. You just have to follow the law. And when you don't follow the law, you fall outside of the favor of God and their consequences. And Israel had some big consequences, attacking I at the first time. And now Joshua is beginning to get it. So he understands God is God and he's holy and we have to follow and obey. So this whole rule of engagement change, I can imagine Joshua saying, well, God, you, you told us this once, now it's different now. But the law is the law and we'll just follow it. So the assembly of Israel, this is what we're going to do this time. And rules of engagement change. Think about our past 15, 16 17 years of war, where I know when we went into Iraq, the OIF won. Our rule of engagement here, third of the 325, was if you feel threatened, shoot to kill. And we, roll, we, we rolled into Iraq, all the way into Baghdad and so forth, and that was the rule of engagement. And pretty soon it was, well, nobody's supposed to have weapons. So if they have a weapon, then you can shoot. And then it was, well, the weapons have to be pointing at you. Then the weapons have to be pointed at you and they have to be firing in your general direction. And the rule of engagement went so far that in Afghanistan, I remember a, a time when mortars were allowed to be fired at us and land on our FOB. It was FOB shank and rather large, but we were not allowed to return fire unless they were effective, meaning people getting hit and it was in a difficult spot. So yeah, the rules of engagements change. Rules of engagements change in our wars today too. So God changed the rules of engagement. He was God. He is God. And that's just the way it was. All right. So we, we see Israel in favor with God, ready to do what God has called us to do. And we too, when we're in favor with God, in his presence and in his grace, living under the blood of Jesus Christ, under the blood redemption, then we move forward. When we start falling outside of the favor of God, and we should know the difference. As a saved child of God, you know when you're in right with God and your heart is healed and you're, you're in good relationship with God and your fellow man. Clear conscience. But then when that cycle of sin creeps in, and we're disobedient, then the favor of God, the hand of God, can be lifted off of us. And we know how that feels. And, and that's when we fall on our knees and we raise up to God, forgive me, God, what have I done? Help me to stay on your path and to do what you've called. And, and, and please don't remove your hand from me. And then that, that's where the repentance comes in and then God's restoration and moving forward with the hand of God on us again as the hand of God was on Israel at this point after Achan to attack I for the second time. And we have the beautiful blood of Jesus Christ that covers us 
in order to get us from that repentance to restoration as our heart is contrite before the Lord. The first, the first component to our breaking the sin cycle, being in favor with God. And the second component of this transformation of breaking the sin cycle is to obey God's commands. All right, so th- this brings us up into verse 3, the, the part of 3 through 29 of Joshua that wasn't read today that I'm, I'm going to recount for you. It's going to be fun. I was initially going to bring up volunteers. We were going to set different stages of the battle component. We were going to have a, a walkthrough. But I think that might, as I had some counsel, uh, that might be problematic or violent. We don't want it to be violent. So we see Joshua now talked with God, and God said, Joshua, we know Joshua's a little skeptical because he said, because God said to him, Joshua, same verbiage as in one, chapter 1, verse 9, be, don't be afraid or dismay, be strong, be courageous. I am with you where you go. Now, this is what I want you to do now. And God gave him the whole battle plan. Wouldn't that be neat? Going into war, God gives us the entire battle plan. We're not just war going into life. God gives us the entire battle plan. But you know what? God has given us the battle plan. Everything that we need is in his word And he will put into our heart how we need to execute it in every aspect of life. Now, sure, sometimes we can't see where we're going, but he gives us enough light to see the next step. And then as we stay in his word and in his presence and his grace, each step is illuminated and the plan is laid out. But God gives Joshua the entire battle plan here. So, the hard text is, okay, God, why all the women and children? That seems so rough. That's even beyond what ISIS does. You know, they usually just enslave the women and children. I don't get it. How can an all-good and all-holy God have a command to do this? All right, again, we're in the Old Covenant. We're not in the New Covenant under the blood of Jesus Christ yet. Blood redemption, blood atonement, it's very, very real. So the, war, the, uh, the men are warriors and need to be killed, as Brother Worstel told us. But now the women were pagans, and God did not want intermarriage for pagan worshipers to be with Yahweh worshipers, and so they had to be killed. And we see later in history what happens in Israel. We see how the Samaritans as they were taken away in Assyrian captivity with the northern ten tribes, that the Samaritans were the ones who intermarried in with the pagan Assyrians and brought them back to the land of Israel. And that is a main component, if the primary component, of why the Samaritans were the black sheep tribe of Israel. They intermarried, brought in pagan worship, and of the twelve tribes, The Samaritans were the ones that the Jews would completely walk around out of their way in order to avoid going through Samaria. Pagan worship brought back in. Women had to die. The children, what about the kids? Can't you bring them in? Well, the Semitic revenge killings, the kids that had seen such a traumatic uh, destruction of their parents, their brothers, their sisters, their land, how could you trust them going forward? So they had to die. And it was God's decree to go forth. 
Again, my, my finite mind, my heart cannot understand the ways of the Lord, the infinite ways. The law is the law. You don't have to understand it. It doesn't have to make sense, but you have to follow it. Get it, chaplain? Joshua, get it? So, that, that was, a, that was a, a reality. They were in God's favor, and God was with them, and they accomplished what was called. Now, we need to understand at this point also, the, the true essentialness of obedience. Because it didn't matter if you were the king, because they took that king, they hung him. And then by Jewish custom, he had to be interred by the night. And, and so they took him down and they buried him under a pile of rocks at the ruins of the city gate. Under a pile of rocks for an Ebenezer to remember that this is what happens when you sin against God. Same as Achan, buried under a pile of rocks as an Ebenezer to remember if you sin against God, this is going to happen. Obedience. We can be obedient. And praise God, we've got Jesus Christ, that when we're not obedient, that we've already had somebody to pay our price for us. We've already had somebody to die for us. Jesus Christ, God himself. So that we can be in right relationship in God's favor with him. And then the third component, the third component to breaking this sin cycle is total devotion. Totally devoted to God. It's what we've been talking about for the past series. Total devotion. Joshua and the assembly of Israel realized, okay, God's hand is on us. We are in his favor and we're going to obey him. So, so Joshua said, we're going to write the entirety of the law on stone tablets again. And we're going to go to somewhere significant, about 20 miles northwest of, the, of, of I was Mount Ebel and Mount Gerizim. Two significant places where both Abraham and Moses had spiritual encounters with God. They do this foot march 20 miles north up to there, and on Mount Ebel, they build a stone altar, unhewn, meaning it wasn't chipped, it was, it was rocks that were put together just the way God had described for it to be done, not just described, but commanded, and they sacrificed to God and then they took these, the stone law in front of these two mountains. Now, these were, these were high mountains in the Piedmont area of Israel. They were the highest, 3,000 feet. Jerusalem is at 2,400 feet. So you have to get up to the Mount Hermon range before you, you get significantly higher than this. So th this was an area where it was up close to God where you could get away and be in the presence of God and pray and have these spiritual encounters that Moses and Abraham had. So they go there. 
to have a spiritual encounter with God. And they have the priests and the Levites at the Ark of the Covenant in the center, half of the assembly of Israel before Mount Gerizim and half in front of Hebel. And I'm sure they were relaying the messages so everybody in the assembly could hear the entirety, the entirety of every word that Moses had given to Israel. And there weren't just the Ten Commandments. There were 632 commandments that were in the law. So people, this is what the law is. The law is the law, and we have to do it. Every jot, every tittle of the law must be met, or there's separation between man and God, and there must be death. There must be blood sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, in order to have man able to be in the presence of a holy God and in the favor of God, obeying every, every jot and tittle of the law in total devotion. Can they do that? No, it's impossible. That's why there was blood sacrifice on a daily basis and on a yearly basis, and everything in between was, was prescribed, commanded. This is what you have to do, people of God, Yahweh worshipers, in order to have access to Yahweh. Impossible to do. It's impossible for us to break the sin cycle without blood sacrifice. But our blood sacrifice is Jesus Christ. We have a corrupt human nature, and there's going to be sin, and there's going to be disobedience. And there's going to be rebuke from God, but that rebuke is coming as love because he loves us too much to stay in that cycle of sin. And then our heart needs to be contrite, seeking forgiveness, honor needs God, what have I done? Don't remove your hand. Help me, Lord, to stay in your path. Get me back on track with you because I can't take this burden in my heart. My, this separation is what it is. Let there be union communion and peace and with fellow man and that's the blood of Jesus Christ so the, in this for our New Testament covenant the blood of Jesus Christ is the shedding of innocent blood he didn't deserve it it should have been me I should be under a pile of rocks like Achan each of us should be but Jesus Christ died for us so that we don't have to be and that we can live in that restoration, moving forward in God's favor, obedient and totally devoted to him. We can and we need to commit ourselves, recommit ourselves daily to God. Just as we see here Joshua and Israel committing themselves. It was quite a special occasion here at Ebel and Gerizim. And there's special occasions for us too at times when we have mountaintop experiences or renewing a covenant like a couple who are renewing marriage vows. It's a covenant. And Israel is remembering their covenant with God here. Now, covenant in Scripture, as you go back to the original language in Hebrew, it wasn't God made a covenant with the people. It wasn't Moses or Joshua wrote the covenant with the people. The word is cut. God cut a covenant. The reason for that is, again, remember the significance of the, of, of the shedding of innocent blood and that sin brings death. 
They took animals, and they took animals, and they cut them in half and laid them in a little, a little draw area of land that was sloping downward. And the, if you look through the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis, it will lay out the specific types of animals that they had to be in the specific order that they were going to be in, and they were sliced in two and killed, and their blood would run down that little draw. And if two men were entering the covenant, they would come into it and they would walk through it. And their, their robes would go through the blood and get bloody to signify, if I break my end of this covenant, may this happen to me. So Israel was sacrificed to God and remembering the importance of obeying God being in his favor, living in total devotion to him. And all right, now we're refocused, we're back on track, and we're ready to finish the conquest of the Holy Land, God that you have told us to go do to set up Yahweh worship here. And they did, and they moved forth. So today, this morning, All-American, I'm going to ask each of us to think in our own hearts and our own minds, what is the sin cycle that is in our lives? And everyone has it. It's not anyone is immune. Each of us in our corrupt human nature is disobedient. God rebukes us until we're willing to repent and he restores us. each one of us, what is it that's keeping us from being totally devoted to God? And if we're honest with ourselves and we listen to the Lord, probably we know right now, God, this is what's keeping me from you and I'm sorry, please help me. I'm going to ask Holly and the music team to come forward and lead us into a time of pensive worship. Because we can break this sin cycle. We can break it as we abide in God's favor, as we obey his commands, and as we live all in, willing to risk it all, totally devoted to God. Push in the chips and be totally devoted to God. The altars are open for anybody that would like to come forward and pray. And there's, there's no condemnation because we all are in disobedience, needing right, right reconciliation with our holy God. You can pray in your seats too. You can come forward to pray or ask a chaplain to pray with you here. But don't let this opportunity go this morning without opening your heart to the Lord. Say, God, here I am. I know you're with me wherever I go. I am in you. Forgive me for my sin. Help me to break this cycle so that I can be totally devoted, totally devoted to my God, to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.